0: Up the podcast about getting pregnant with Dr. Raylia Liu from Women's Health Melbourne. Welcome, Raylia. Thank you. Today we are talking about your lifestyle and perhaps what changes you need to make when you're trying to get pregnant. Um, There's a few things on your list, Raylia. What do you want to start with?
1: Well, look, I I think maybe just the basics. um, Let's start with, and then we can maybe go through some questions that patients ask often. Uh, So, in terms of some of the lifestyle factors, uh, there are some, some obvious examples where it's probably a good idea to um, change your behaviour quite a while before you try to conceive. A good example of that is smoking. Yes,
0: that's, we know that has lasting
1: effects. Yeah, it's got lasting effects both for egg and sperm and particularly in terms of effects on sperm, uh, you really do have to stop smoking about three months before start trying to really get the benefit of of stopping because cigarette smoke contains not only uh, not only nicotine but it has all of these toxins and they're emphatically bad for sperm in terms of the motility and the number that are normal and and even of the normal looking sperm there can be quite significant dna damage in men who smoke Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you won't get pregnant but if things are suboptimal in other ways and it might be kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back so to speak Uh, and also even in fertile couples we want to make babies as healthy as possible and and prevent really serious disease in our in our babies and things like asthma and things like allergies and things like cot death are more common in babies born to parents who smoke Uh, in terms of A woman having miscarriages, it's more common if both the woman smokes but also if her partner smokes. So that's something to really work on preconception. In terms of a woman, um, so stopping smoking does reduce your chance of having a miscarriage. It reduces your chance of having an early menopause actually. Yeah, so women who smoke go through menopause a bit earlier than women who don't and it's just the toxic effect of, of cigarette smoke over a lifetime on our ovaries. Uh, but that's something that really it's super important to stop, you know, for other health benefits <laughs> as soon as possible um, or not to start. Um, so that's something we always do give a little lecture on. If I have a patient who comes in, they can expect a bit of a lecture <laughs> if they're smoking, especially if they're having trouble getting pregnant. Uh, And in terms of that, if you're interested in watching me lecture on on video, I did a video for uh, Your Fertility, which is a fantastic website with lots of information about how we can optimise our our lifestyle preconception and uh, I did a video on there about all the benefits of stopping smoking when it was um, part of a a campaign together with with QUIT, which is QUIT Victoria is an organisation that is dedicated to help stop um, smoking, um, help people who are trying to stop smoking. ...and support them.
0: So if you didn't need more of an incentive to quit... ...having a healthy baby was certainly
1: something... Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge motivator actually. Um, it's hard to stop smoking. It's, it's one of those things, you know... ...it's an addiction. So it's like any addiction. It's really, really super hard. And, um, and um, you know, women, men and couples need a lot of support... But there are lots of very good reasons and there's no better reason than having a healthy family, having a healthy baby and being around for them long term in terms of reducing your own risk of things like cancers and um, cardiovascular disease. And then after smoking, with smoking to me, I think of
0: wine, so alcohol. You know we shouldn't drink during pregnancy, but what about when you're trying to conceive?
1: Well, look, it's all about moderation. And alcohol in excess is actually bad for us. But the right kind of alcohol in the right quantities is possibly good for us. So, for example, red wine is part of the Mediterranean diet and it's actually very rich in antioxidants. So a little bit of red wine um, on a regular basis is is considered healthy. Uh, But certainly alcohol in excess can damage sperm. Uh, Effects on women outside of pregnancy uh, have not been so well studied but we know that if you drink while you're pregnant um, to a point where your baby's exposed to alcohol in your bloodstream, your baby can get something called fetal alcohol syndrome and um, that can limit a baby's IQ and and, um, can also cause some physical changes. Yeah, they can reduce their growth potential and um, you can get what's called intrauterine growth restriction, IUGR. So there's lots of um, good reasons not to drink to excess in in pregnancy and we actually don't know where the safe or if a safe limit of, of alcohol exists in pregnancy. Probably it's different person to person. But because we're not, with confidence, able to give a safe recommendation of the maximum amount to drink in pregnancy, for public health purposes, the best message is avoid alcohol altogether during pregnancy. And um, certainly, if you do that, there's no way your baby can have fetal alcohol syndrome. Yeah. And then it's a it's a problem when people are trying to get pregnant, especially if they're struggling, because we, as a society, drink alcohol at social events, you know. We love wine. We love wine. Australian wine is probably, you know, the best in the world in, in some ways and um, and also our cultures are, you know, alcohol's at the heart of our, of our culture and um, be that good or bad, it is. And so when people go to a wedding or when they go to a party, it's you know, awesome. it is. And um, I guess for couples who are trying to conceive and struggling and, you know, it's a long time where if they were completely teetotaling, you know, it might be a long time for them. Um, with many celebrations and events. Um, Yeah, I would say, you know, again, while you're trying, when you don't know you're pregnant yet, um, use alcohol with moderation um, and minimise it, but I wouldn't necessarily say don't drink at all. Uh, But once you are pregnant, it's probably worth avoiding. I mean, I think you can take it to extreme. You know, if you want to have a sip of champagne as a toast at a wedding or something like that, I don't see... Really, too much the harm in that, but certainly the key health messaging would be avoid alcohol in pregnancy, yeah. and that there's no safe level of consumption, and so not none at all is is the um, is the dogma. Thank you. And next we have our weight. So weight is always a difficult issue uh, because you know we accept that there's lots of different varieties of normal. But when women and men are overweight, they are not at their best in terms of fertility. So it can express itself in different ways. So men who are overweight, often their sperm quality is not as good as it can be if they were to be fitter and um, have better body temperature regulation. Because when men are overweight, their scrotum tends to be a little hotter. The sperm aren't as healthy. And sometimes they don't make it. At extreme levels of obesity, men turn off their sperm production a bit. And um, in some men, the intervention of losing weight and optimising their lifestyle can actually be the difference between conceiving naturally or not. So it's a really important thing um, in some men's health to encourage them to lose a bit of weight. With women... ...weight can have different impacts. So some women who have polycystic ovaries... ...or who have uh, a real sensitivity to body weight... ...can stop ovulating once they hit a certain threshold. So they might stop ovulating altogether... ...and that really takes them out of the game... ...in terms of getting pregnant. And so sometimes in some women a, a subtle, gentle weight reduction by lifestyle change, will actually help them ovulate and help them get pregnant naturally. And in my practice, sometimes I'll have a conversation with a patient and say, well, shall we dedicate three months to um, a weight loss of maybe five kilos? And um, we can use some, some things to help them. Like, for example, we can use medications, um, if appropriate, to reduce appetite in conjunction with lifestyle change and an exercise regimen and diet. Yes. And in the Australian health system, if you are helping someone to lose weight for the purposes of getting pregnant, you can actually access a GP health plan so that you can get some support for them. So if they need an exercise physiologist to guide them in exercise that they can tolerate or if um, you need a nutritionist to give advice about um, diet planning you can get some subsidised visits for, for patients in that scenario under Medicare. So that's very useful. In terms of weight and pregnancy, I mean, we are seeing in our society more and more women and men at the extreme levels of, of obesity and it can actually be dangerous to assist someone with technology to get pregnant if their body mass index is in the morbidly obese range. And... Well, thirty five is the definition yeah. of, of, of morbidly obese. Yeah. And we we really see a lot more complications in patients if their BMI is over forty. Okay. So that's generally the cutoff. Um, the where you'd really want to reassess if things can be done. And also you know, the the most risky thing as a fertility specialist that I can do to a patient is get them pregnant. So pregnancy is far riskier than IVF, you know. And um, as we do have patients who are bigger, um, sometimes you can do an ultrasound and not see the baby. Sometimes the obstetrician can feel the tummy and not know which way the baby's lying. And sometimes if you do need something like a caesarean in an emergency, um, it can be a very dangerous operation. So um, things like having a blood clot, things like having a heart attack while pregnant become much more risky. Things like needing a general anaesthetic in pregnancy, which we actually try and avoid general anaesthetics in pregnancy absolutely if, if it's, you know, at all possible to do so. Because they're quite, quite dangerous when you're pregnant. Even very slim women have a lot of what we call edema and swelling around the, the windpipe or trachea. And we try not to do general anaesthetics on pregnant women if we can help it. So things like um, adding risk factors like obesity. If you need to have a crash cesarean section, um, you know you're, you're, you're far more in danger than if you had a normal BMI. And um, in terms of recovery from that operation, it's also harder to mobilize afterwards and and to to heal and and, and look, after look after the baby. So um, if we can optimize weight pre-pregnancy. Um, and not necessarily taking down to, you know, kind of underweight or... or no, it's about being at a healthy weight and having that
0: lifestyle that means you'll be able to carry a baby because being pregnant is not an easy feat on
1: the body. Yeah, it's physiologically very challenging. Um, and all women who've had babies probably can, can testify that in the first trimester you feel, you know, really tired. I mean, it's very physically exhausting making all the building blocks to make a baby. Um, and your your heart has to work harder, uh, your lungs change in terms of your oxygen capacity, every body system adapts, and your ability to adapt is, is really impacted by weight uh, because weight really at the extreme is a burden on your body and it's something that you really... It makes your life more difficult. So that's something that... Look, it's a hard conversation to have, especially, you know, I, I've had a patient relatively recently, who's, by the way, had a phenomenal attitude and has lost quite a lot of weight in a short period of time. But basically, um, she was told that it would be impossible to collect eggs and see her ovaries because it was. Uh, And really, in terms of losing weight, she really needed to do that before IVF could be a feasible option for her. And because her partner had really poor sperm and, and really the chance of them getting pregnant naturally was pretty much zero... They did and but she's just she's taken to it with a passion and um you know, she's been really, really amazing. And, you know, in, in ten weeks she lost thirteen kilograms. Yeah, which she's is unbelievable. Yeah. And um our plan is for her to have IVF in in the new year, so she's got another couple of months to go to get her BMI under forty. Yeah, that's great news. Yeah. And in terms of – BMI, by the way, is body mass index and you calculate BMI um, by taking uh, your um, weight in kilograms and you divide it by your height in meters squared. And it is a bit of a
0: generalisation.
1: It is. Yeah, it's just an idea – it just basically gives you an idea of someone's weight to height ratio. And um, it's just a way of working out you know where someone's at in terms of the weight range because you know one person could be you know 70 kilos and very skinny and very tall and another person might be 70 kilos and quite overweight because they're not very tall so it's just a way of working that out. So a lot of patients ask me about diet in pregnancy and when they have to start being careful because patients are really educated now and they know about things like listeria which is a bacteria that lives in uh, you know, sometimes salads that have been made not quite freshly or soft rind cheeses um, or raw foods and um, like sushi. Yes, we love sushi. And a lot of women in the delivery room request champagne and sushi. <laughs> 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 and maybe some brie. <laughs> but um, yeah, so listeria is a bacteria that can cross the placenta and that's why it's important because if you consume listeria it can get into your bloodstream and it can cross your placenta um, now very early in pregnancy that's not such an issue so really in uh, certainly before you have a positive pregnancy test you don't have to worry about avoiding those things like soft dry and cheeses or sushi or um, you know carpaccio and those kind of things um, but when you are pregnant you do and really the placenta really takes over and gets a really good bloodstream between seven and ten weeks gestation. So that's really when you want to start worrying about those things. And most people, you know, an an easy um, rule of thumb to tell women is when you have a positive pregnancy test, just get in the habit of knowing what to avoid. And um, in terms of people who do get listeriosis, why do we avoid these things? Well, Babies can get infected. So what, what, what happens if a baby's infected? Well, you can lose the pregnancy, so the baby can die. Effectively, the baby can die. Membranes can rupture early. Um, it's a tragic cause of, a preventable cause of early pregnancy loss and even late pregnancy loss. So while, you know, avoiding certain food types is quite an easy thing to do, um, you know, losing a baby's quite devastating. So certainly worthwhile as a public health message to avoid those those foods and there's a nice information sheet on foods to avoid that you can find at the women's hospital website in victoria so that would be a nice resource for patients if they want to have a quick list of what not to do but basically meats especially um need to be super well cooked you can't have your steak um you know blue you have to have it well done Or just (laughs) well-cooked. Most people people are okay with (laughs) well-cooked. And, um, yeah, just salads are fine if you cut them up fresh, but don't go and have like a sandwich made where the salad ingredients were cut up in the morning. Mayonnaise avoid unless it was just freshly made by you yourself. Um, Reheated rice. Yeah, anything reheated actually. So leftovers are okay if they've been in the fridge for one day. Otherwise, chuck. Um, So make small quantities often, and well cooked. And if you are reheating, reheat hot. And um, in terms of um, completely avoid things like unpasteurised cheeses, need to be avoided. And they're the main things. And the other thing you have to worry about, apart from the serious toxoplasma, yes, that comes from cats. Yeah, it can come from cats. Um, so, we usually say if you have a cat, just be fastidious about hand washing and get someone else to change the kitty litter if you're pregnant. Okay, so easy precaution. Yeah. And um, if you are a gardener, because toxoplasmosis is also in the soil quite often. Right. Um, so, if you're a gardener, wash your hands very well. And you have to around Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is vegetables can from soil be contaminated, so you just need to make sure everything's very well washed. Uh, so that's the, the main thing and, um, and of course, travelling um, around. I mean, hopefully not travelling too much when you're pregnant but if you are, just making sure that you're having boiled water or bottled water in, in places where the water's not um, kind of bacterially controlled. And they're the main things. Another question I often get asked by patients is, can I colour my hair or can I get my nails yes. done when I'm pregnant? Yeah, that is important, <laughs> especially <laughs> as, I mean, the average age of first um, parenthood now, first motherhood is around, you know, between 30 and 32, depending on where you live in Australia. And unlike when we were having babies in our 20s, we have the odd grey hair nowadays when you're pregnant. <laughs> and um, and it can be quite confronting if you say to women, you know, don't colour your hair um, while you're pregnant. Um, look, it's one of these things that hasn't been studied, so, you know, really it hasn't. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, there are lots of toxins in our environment. We're probably best avoiding them. Having said that, we've not seen any associations that have been noted of increases in birth defects or increases in pregnancy losses associated with women colouring their hair or not. So I would probably um, advise a harm minimisation approach, you know, so for example... Maybe choose a more natural product, um, and maybe don't do it quite as often. Yeah. So look, these things are all, but again, it's 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 not something that I can draw on medical dogma to guide um, or advice there exactly. There are lots of chemicals involved, involved, and in, yeah, we try and avoid exposure. We do know that exposure to chemicals is sometimes not good for fertility. Um, but at the same time you can be reassured that there haven't actually been studies proving adverse events either. Um and same with, you know, other things that we put on our skin like cosmetics. You know, we can we can use the re- harm harm reduction principles of avoiding um cosmetics that are um, you know, kind of containing things like parabens and, and other other um
0: Yeah, and there's so much on the
1: market now. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and so, you know, it's probably a very nice niche that someone should should probably take up, but I'm sure there are products and I've seen products out there where there, there are kind of more natural options and that's probably as as best as we can do unless we want to go totally au natural. Yeah. And probably that is better. I mean probably it is. But we also we don't know for sure, the jury's out and certainly there's no alarming statistics um, like with things like smoking or alcohol, where we know it can do bad things. We, we don't know that about dyeing your hair or doing your nails. Yeah, so again, same, same kind of principles. I mean, they are quite external, you know, so we don't necessarily you know absorb in our bloodstream chemicals that we put on our nails. Um, but again, there are certain options out there where you can have um, a reduction of toxic chemicals um, and uh, maybe choosing one of those options while pregnant might be better if you feel the need to, to do do your nails um, when you are pregnant.
0: Thank you. Pleasure. This episode of Knocked Up, the podcast about getting pregnant. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, for more information about Dr. Rayleigh Alou, Women's Health Melbourne and anything to do with pregnancy, go to womenshealthmelbourne.com.au or find Women's Health Melbourne on the socials future episode requests or any other questions, please contact us at podcasts at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. See you soon.